Welcome to the Sales Hacks Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association. That if you as a marketer can show evidence that before a seller gets on a sales call, during that sales call, after sales calls, that customers are on your website, downloading content, reaching reaching out and extending their digital hand into all this marketing information, and that content is helping the customer along a journey, you will completely change a seller's mindset around the value of content. For sales professionals, team leaders, and organizations across the country, the Canadian Professional Sales Association is your partner in building knowledge and skills to improve sales performance. The CPSA is the advocate for excellence in sales. We invest resources in programming, curriculum development, and professional designations to help individuals and companies become more successful through effective sales. We connect employers and employees, business with academia, and the private sector with government to advance the sales profession and improve Canadian competitiveness. Learn more at cpsa.com. And remember to subscribe to the CPSA podcast through iTunes, Google Play, and more. Jamie Shanks, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, so today we are talking about a really exciting topic, certainly to me as somebody who's been in sales and marketing, and that's uh, the misalignment between the two departments. So firstly, why does a misalignment still persist between sales and marketing? A lot of it has to do with compensation. Uh, A lot of it has to do with job description as well. As a marketer, number one, I am not being compensated for the closing of deals. Number two, I'm being measured on the creation of new leads. My performance, my bonuses, uh, if I have any, but most importantly, my budgets are situated around the creation of lead flow or brand and awareness. And so if I'm being measured against something, my job is to bump up against that. So what do I do? I collect lead flow from various sources, trade shows, online events, uh, conferences, anything I can do to create leads. But my job is done when you, you as a leader, as a CEO or a CMO, you create me a goal and I hit that goal. And that goal was I needed to create said number of leads and I sling them over the fence. I'm not being compensated if the seller can't, can't do things with them. And so then, now let's put ourselves on the other side of the fence. As a seller, I am many times reliant on lead sources coming from a variety of different ways. And I see leads coming from marketing. Marketing feels that their job ended at the creation of a lead. And I, as a seller, pick up these leads and I discount many of them. I say, like, these just aren't that great. But I am on the hook with a quota. I have to close deals. And so if I don't feel that the marketing leads are very strong, it's detracting from my time management. So I I, I don't focus on the marketing leads as much. I'll go source my own, which I trust better. And I run with them. And I'm, I'm really frustrated that marketing doesn't see my problem. I have a quota. I have to live and die on that sword yet they are not partnering with me to deliver very specific leads I need in my very specific account base or territories to hit my goals. So it really comes down to compensation and kind of that service level agreement or or direction and accountability on each other's goals, which many times are very misaligned. 
let's let's dive a wee bit deeper if we may into uh sales people's attitudes and appreciation of good content um is is the misalignment caused then in part because of a continued lack of appreciation from sales pros that good content drives inbound leads most sellers have no idea that where many of the leads come from is this circular motion of you share content, content gets in the hands of sellers, sellers pass it around the office, or buyers, uh, those buyers then uh, download information and become an inbound lead and it ultimately comes back to sales. If you were to ask a seller what they really think of content, they'll say, well, I'm, I'm too busy, I, I, don't, I don't have time. And too busy and I don't have time is code in sales speak for I don't see value because I only have 168 hours in a week and I can't be bothered to lever- you know, sit down and share content and leverage content when I do not see a direct correlation to revenue. This in lies now marketing's fault and problem for not articulating and demonstrating empirical evidence that in fact content being downloaded by the seller's customers is in fact influencing and attributing deal flow. And that sits in technology like marketing automation or in your CRM, that if you as a marketer can show evidence that before a seller gets on a sales call, during that sales call, after sales calls, that customers are on your website downloading content, reaching reaching out and extending their digital hand into all this marketing information, and that content is helping the customer along a journey, you will completely change a seller's mindset around the value of content. But if you can't show it empirically, sellers won't see that direct correlation and they'll say, well, I'm just doing this as a branding exercise for the company and it's not really being fruitful for me. So as a relatively new fan of the wonderful sport of baseball, now that I live over here, uh, are you talking a little bit here about um, this idea of money balling your marketing? A hundred percent. I'll give you my business as an example. In my business, the average customer, enterprise level customer, so billion dollar company or larger, will consume 7.4 assets, marketing assets, before they buy from us on average, right? Infographics, eBooks, webinars, videos, 43% of that content consumption will happen before my sales team picks up the phone and contacts the customer for the very first time. 75% of that consumption will happen before we've done a discovery call, let alone even a proposal. That's how much learning a customer does behind the scenes. And great companies are customers who have turned their marketing team into what we call an insights factory or you calling it Moneyball, get to understand that this is happening at their in their accounts and they can get that information in the seller's hands. I think what we're getting at here is if, if you're better able to share information, um, you can perhaps work more harmoniously because you're getting buy-in from both sides. So let, let's dive in even deeper into that. Um, what does a good conversation between the two departments look like, Jamie? Do, do sales and marketing teams need to do more to have two-way conversations where they're sharing data, they're, just, they're discussing upcoming campaigns, the salespeople are offering that qualitative feedback, the marketing people are giving the quantitative There's two steps that I recommend. The very first step is the marketing team extends their hand in the olive branch first. Marketing, 
goes to sit down with sales and they do a bit of an exercise. And that exercise is they interview the sales team, sales leaders, and understand and reverse engineer sales quota attainment. Meaning, how many deals does it take on average for you to hit your sales quota? What is the average size of a deal? Uh, you know, for every five uh, leads you work on, which you know, how many turn into a customer? So basically, reverse engineer. If you need, if you had a million dollar quota per sales professional, or you have a ten million dollar quota as a sales organization, and you reverse engineered everything, what percentage or expectation did sales have? that marketing was supposed to deliver. And you reverse engineer it by account. So, you know, if we need 20 new accounts this year to hit our goal and we look at how many proposals that would mean, how many sales qualified leads, how many sales accepted leads, all the way back to marketing qualified leads, that will be a number. Okay, so I'm looking at the board in my business. That number is 450 sales qualified leads my business needs to fuel this year. So then my marketing team then knows how many marketing qualified leads and sales accepted leads need to be generated on top of that. So then marketing has to look themselves in the mirror and say, wow, do I have the resources or the capacity to even be able to help the sales team hit their anticipated sales quota attainment based on what they thought was going to be delivered from us? In my company, one third of a seller's pipeline will be delivered through marketing. So they, our marketing team has to reverse engineer what is expected from a resource and delivery standpoint to get our sellers on, on plan, essentially. So long of the short is the very first thing that has to happen is marketers have to understand that and the delta between those two numbers. Are we dramatically understaffed, under-resourced, under capacity of the ability to even deliver what sales needs. Because if you can't deliver that number, sales will never like you. So it doesn't even matter at that point. So that's the first meeting that I think needs to happen. We're coming towards the end of this interview. One last question for you, though. And I'm just going to kind of spin things on their head a little bit with this one. What would you say if I suggested that today's best salespeople and the majority of tomorrow's sales force are kind of actually marketers too anyway? They are. We would call it micro-marketers or smarketers. The reality is the best sellers understand that they are the CEO of their own territory, that marketing's job at most companies is a branding exercise. They are looking at the overarching brand of the organization. And, of course, a division of that typically is their content marketing team that delivers leads. But the average marketing team isn't thinking of you, Johnny, the sales professional whose responsibility is Alberta as your, ter- as your territory. That's not what a marketer does. So you as a seller are responsible for coming up with the accounts you want to go after, the game plan, the storyboards, the marketing kind of plan for your territory. And so if you're going to be a great seller, you need to put the left brain and the right brain together and think of how am I going to attract buyers in my territory, geography, vertical, whichever you're segmented. Um, that's what a great seller is. The great sellers are becoming marketers. And on that final note, ladies and gentlemen, we'll, we'll just leave it there, I think. That's a good way to uh, get us all thinking about the, the future of sales. So, Jamie Shanks, uh, that just leaves me to say thank you so much for being the guest today. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for listening to the Sales Hacks Show. 
Learn more about the training and benefits from the Canadian Professional Sales Association at cpsa.com.